24 hours ago, the old City Hall Cenotaph was the site of a major Remembrance Day uh, observance, observance rather, and ceremony. And in 24 hours, things have uh, changed as far as the look of the Cenotaph. This morning, police were called to the Cenotaph, and they were alerted to the fact that someone had put graffiti on the Cenotaph. What, it, what was written in spray paint was, Ye broke faith with us. What exactly does that mean? How does it make veterans feel uh, only 24 hours after that major ceremony marking our fallen soldiers? Barry Westholm joins us again. He's former Master Warrant Officer and Sergeant Major for the Joint Personnel Support Unit. And you've served for 32 years, Barry. I just want to know off the hop, how do you feel when you hear that the Cenotaph has been defaced like this? Well, of course, uh, they should never be defaced. They should be held in high honor. But when I saw what was written on it, it actually sent a chill through me, and I'll get into that later, about uh, who might be writing stuff like that. Um, One thing I'd like to say, though, and if I may, um, everybody's got an opinion and probably a point of view of what was written and why it was written. Um, What I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, is go through some facts, because I'm a facts-based guy, and then come to a conclusion. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to start with the conflict in Afghanistan. Our government sent our troops to Afghanistan totally unprepared for the warfare that they were fighting with over there. They went over there with green combats and stuck out like a sore thumb. They actually made great targets. They had very poor equipment, not suitable for the uh, war fighting over there. That's one point. The second point is support. When they sent our troops to Afghanistan, they closed the only hospital designed to, to support our troops, the National Defense Medical Center. They had no support mechanism put in place for any of the injured troops coming back whatsoever. They come back and just into a, just a chaotic mess. The pension system, another point. They changed the injured military pension system, not before the conflict, not after the conflict, which would have been fine, but during a war. So the guys that were getting injured were getting their pension system changed and reduced while they were getting injured. And then we have uh, the Joint Personnel Support Unit. That was a unit put in place to to finally accept the members some seven years after the war started. The Canadian Armed Forces and the Government of Canada gave that unit, the Joint Personnel Support Unit, the lowest priority the Canadian Forces had. That's a six out of six, which means while I was there, you had to beg, borrow, and scrape for everything to try to support the injured troops that were coming back now in mass. Then there's Veterans Affairs Canada, the most bureaucratic institution in the Canadian government. Everything that gets uh, gets done in uh, that place is like triplicate. They change the forms all the time. A lot of people get their first um, submissions refused, and then they have to go through a process, and the thing's just a mess. Another point is the post-release follow-up. The Canadian Forces, and I sent you a document uh, on that on this this morning, said that because of all the mess that the troops are in coming back from Canada, that they would maintain, maintain a contact with them until they were back into uh, civilian life and doing well. And if not, they would provide them medical support or whatever they needed. The Canadian forces never did that, and as far as I know, are still not doing that. So those are my points of what happened during the conflict. Now you throw in the new government, Liberal government, who made a promise to reinstate the pension system and then not take any veterans to court. Those are just two. And they didn't do either. They said they would, but they did not, and that's a fact. So everything I've given you now are facts. And it raises the question, did we break faith with our troops? Yes or no? And I'm going to say yes. So, Barry, based on what you said, 
I'm guessing that you think that this was probably somebody coming back from uh, Afghanistan that has served. Well, if you read the stanza, it's, it finishes off. If you break faith with us, we die. We shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. So, based on what I know and what I've been through with this uh, situation with their injured and ill and how they've been treated and all the suicides, based on that, that would be my take, which could be totally wrong. But that's, that's my take, and that's why I reacted the way I did. Do you think, I mean, this is something that, you know, as a soldier, you, you know, former veteran, you feel, uh, you know, you should never be defaced, the cenotaph. But is this the extremes that's, if, if this is a soldier, I'm, I'm obviously speculating here, that soldiers have to go to here in Canada to actually get their cause spoken about so that people can start taking their needs seriously? Well, here's what I do know, and again, I'm sticking with facts. I do, not, do know that there was people released from the Canadian forces in psychotic states. I worked with them, and they wandered Canada for years looking for assistance. I was on the phone with one of of these people the other day. I do know that out in Nova Scotia, a soldier went looking for help, and he couldn't find it, and he he killed his wife, his mother, and his child, and then himself. I do know that a person uh, named Leah Green died in her chair waiting for help from VAC. So there's desperation out there? Absolutely there's desperation out there. And could it result in somebody acting out this way? Absolutely, because a lot of these situations are mental health. So uh, there's my take on that. Should this be taken as a wake-up call? Well, it it should be taken as a wake-up call no matter what. Who did it? Because what I've said is fact-based, and that was the Desmond family I'm referring to out in Nova Scotia, who are still fighting for uh, uh, what happened out there. Um, And that's been going on for years now. So, yes, wake-up call Canada, even if somebody did it that has nothing to do with what I've I've said here, what I've presented to your audience are all facts. And the possibility is there that that could be a, a veteran. And if it is a veteran and that veteran's listening, you know, uh, contact your radio station. If, if, and you can give them my phone number and we can walk and talk through that. But um, Barry, you're offering your personal phone number. I mean, is that that to me punctuates how horrible services are for vets that really feel at a loss. You have no idea. Um, I had one uh, sergeant serving contacted me and shared some pictures with me of the cuts uh, the sergeant was making on their body. And I've never seen anything like this. You know, there were big, deep cuts. And I guess it's, <clears throat> it's not an uncommon thing. I wish it was. But uh, big slices in their leg. And I'm like, Whoa. And I said, where's your, where's your officer? And this uh, sergeant told me, I haven't seen anybody from the military in like six months. And I'm like, wow. And so, again, this is, uh, that was actually, you know, for me when I was doing a, a lot of the advocating, almost a daily, a daily occurrence, things of that extreme nature. People getting kicked out of their houses, their military quarters, during Christmas. They wouldn't let them stay in an extra month to get themselves sorted out. And, again, this is all factual. And then, uh, and uh, like I say, that's that's me. I'm fact based, and I can back everything I'm saying with uh, with data. So, like I say, we did a poor job. They're out there wandering around. The military's not tracking them like they said they would. And I sent you that document. So, as mentioned in our interview yesterday, if you don't treat something early, it gets worse and worse and worse. And we're not doing our job. And I think it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So, in this case, Barry. 
whether it was a soldier or not, that graffiti may have been placed in the most uh, appropriate and uh, place possible and extremely well-timed. You broke faith with us. They, they got their message across, didn't they? If that's the case, again, you know, like, I won't... I won't well, even my- if it's not the case that someone that vandalized was a soldier, we certainly are talking about it right now. Oh, absolutely. Well, and again, I, I've been talking about it since years now. But yeah, we got a big problem out there. And I've sent to the uh, politicians, I've been, to, I've been called as a witness three times to Parliament, and I've been there other times, and I say each time I'm there that we have to reach back to those veterans that were released through the Joint Personnel Support Unit and earlier and do a checkup on them, see how they're doing, and they won't do it. Barry, I want to thank you for your time today. You were really generous yesterday and equally generous today. Thank you so much. You take care. Cheers. That's Barry Westholm, who is a former Master Warrant Officer with Canadian Forces and Major for the Joint Personnel Support Unit and uh, really punctuates uh, why someone may write something uh, you know, which obviously is it, it appears to be a reference to the line, if ye broke faith with us who die from Flan- in Flanders Field, the poem that many people recite on Remembrance Day. It's Global News Radio 640 Toronto.